<laughs> oh, the things they make me do. <laughs> well, happy Father's Day. Uh, we love uh, having some fun on Father's Day, and uh, I, I get to tell a couple of man dad jokes as well. This one sounds like a dad. Dear math, grow up and solve your own problems. I only know 25 letters of, letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. And this one made me laugh out loud. A skeleton walks into a bar and says, hey, bartender, I'll have one beer and a mop. <laughs> think, think about it. Anyways, uh, dads, if you would stand, we want to pray for you, express our appreciation. And not just dads, but all the men that are here, because uh, even if you're not a dad, you can play a, an important role in the, someone's life by being a godly influence. We're thankful for you. You matter to us. And uh, you're essential to the well-being of our church, but also of our community. So we want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these dads that are among us, uh, men that are standing who want to honor you and be a blessing to others. And for every father here, Lord, you know the, the desires and needs in their heart. We pray that you will minister to them. Continue to minister through them as well and encourage them and help their loved ones to affirm just the, the blessing and the place they are in their lives. And Lord, we pray that the men of CLC will also uh, be a growing Im increase in impact on our community-wide uh, community throughout Greater Dayton because our, our, our community needs godly men. And so bless them, use them. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you for who you are and all you do. Make sure you uh, pick up your grab bag that was mentioned earlier when you leave today. It's a, our gift to you. And uh, if you have the CLC app, you can follow along. We're going to sort of stay in a Father's Day theme a little bit. Uh, our theme is a famous saying, like father, like son. And if you are somebody's son, you can probably affirm the truth of that. People that knew my dad and know me say that I have his mannerisms. I sound like him. I talk like him. I even look like him. And so I can't deny that. It's just kind of the way it is. And the message we're going to deal with today uh, is looking at that concept, that truth, only a very unique father and son combination, Jesus and his heavenly father. And while we're dealing with fatherhood kinds of themes, there's also going to be a side note that will impact several of you here. If, if you are battling anxiety today, you're going to find some things in the message to speak to your heart. Uh, if you are really in need of help in areas of life, you're facing it, you're up against it big time. I believe that God will speak to you. And if you're feeling alone or deserted, there's something also kind of embedded in this message. So kind of stay alert to that. And the first point we want to talk about is that dads are imitated. It comes naturally. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom told me that when I was like a preschooler, I would stand in front of the mirror and I would go, I want to look like dad, because my dad was bald, right? <laughs> of all the dreams in my life, that one got fulfilled, you know? I mean, <laughs> come on. I don't know what I was asking for. Uh, but then fast forward, and Joyce took this picture of me and Jonathan when he was just a little guy at the kitchen table. He's got his leg crossed like I do. Um, I usually fold my arms a lot like that. And I kept that in my briefcase for years just to remind me that I'm being watched. And dads, uh, our kids pick up way more of what they see in us than probably what we say. And so it's really important to realize that dads are imitated. And Jesus identified that in the Gospel of John in chapter 5, verse 19. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, 
unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is trying to explain to his followers a concept that I will not come close to understanding this side of heaven. It's that mystical identity of God, three in one, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Three unique persons in one being. And he's trying to show us that relationship. And, and people say, if you want to know what God is like, study Jesus. And so if you say, well, the series we're in for the summer is Extraordinary Jesus. Why are we looking at the Father? Uh, because Jesus just identified we're one. And uh, the second point says that Jesus is just like his Father. And some of you may say that that's true of you or maybe not. But in John 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. John 14, a little later in that same gospel, Jesus said to him, to Philip, have you, I've been with you so long that you've not come to know me because Philip's asking questions he should know the answer to. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. So Jesus is trying to explain that and clarify that to his followers. And one of the ways he does that is in what we call the Lord's Prayer. So I want to spend a good chunk of the message doing a deeper dive into that passage. And speaking of deeper dive, uh, on Wednesdays we call that our deeper dive, our study on Wednesday nights at 7 in the West Auditorium. And normally what we do is we take what we talk about in the service and then we do a deeper dive on Wednesday. Uh, but for the summer... Uh, we're going to do a, a sort of a deeper dive into Extraordinary Jesus, but the theme is going to be throughout Wednesdays, what did Jesus say about end times? Because I believe we're living in end times. I believe that the Bible says a lot about when Christ returns, what the world's going to be like, um, from politics uh, to civil concerns, economics and morality. And a lot of that is described, what you see in modern day headlines is described by Jesus and from prophetic aspects of Scripture. So join us Wednesdays at 7 o'clock in the West Auditorium. We had over 100 of us last weekend. There'll be some, or last Wednesday, there'll be more this week. But join us because it's important that we know how to interpret uh, current events in light of God's Word. So for today, though, let's do a deeper dive into the Lord's Prayer because it tells us about Jesus and His Father and consequently then our Heavenly Father if you're a believer. And so let's look at the early verses, the verses setting up the Lord's Prayer, first of all, in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they may be seen by men. Now, this is in the Jewish culture, so that was commonplace then. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles and unbelievers do, for they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. And before we go to the Lord's Prayer, I want to kind of back up and unpack that and help um, identify for you that as we go through this teaching, there are things that are repeated. There's the idea of the kingdom of God that's repeated. There's an idea of trust that's repeated and the idea of forgiveness that's repeated. And so uh, those will stand out to us as we walk through it. And one of the things that Jesus repeats several times uh, is that you have a heavenly father who sees things done in the secret and he's a father who rewards you. 
Now keep in mind to understand Scripture uh, clearly that when the, the Bible repeats things for emphasis, so you'll pay attention to it. Okay? The Bible repeats things for emphasis, so you'll pay attention to it. In case you missed it, the Bible repeats things for emphasis, so you'll pay attention to it. All right? So turn your neighbor and say, it's going to be repeated. Right? So let's dive into it. And, and he says on more than one occasion, your heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you. And three things that Jesus says in this chapter is that you've got a heavenly Father who sees when you fast, a spiritual discipline. He sees when you give to the needs of others. And he sees when you pray. And we don't do it to be noticed and to draw attention to ourselves. Oh, wow, what a great spiritual person you are. But when we do that with a sense of humility and a sense of obedience, he honors that and rewards that. Now, it makes sense when you think about it that he looks at humility and rewards that. Jesus, when he talked about himself in the Gospel of Matthew, he told his followers, learn from me. Okay, what do we learn? I'm gentle and humble in heart. Humility is key. The Bible says elsewhere that, that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so when he sees humility and he sees that in our obedience, just out of the goodness of our heart, he rewards that, Jesus said, time and time again. And then he says, don't use meaningless repetition like the unbelievers do. Keep it real. You know, if somebody said the same thing to you every time they talked to you, it'd kind of get old. You would, it would lose its, its genuineness, its impact. And Jesus here is saying to, that don't use just rote, memorized prayers. Now, those are good to some degree. And while most of us don't memorize a bunch of prayers and pray those from memory, I wonder how repetitious our prayers tend to be anyway. I know I use a lot of same phrases when I pray, but more than that, content-wise. If we could have a transcript of your prayers, I wouldn't be surprised if for some of us, 85, 90% of our prayers or more are asking. God I need, God heal, God provide, God fix, God, do, God this, God that. And, and if that's your prayer life, if you just keep repeating, you just live in the ask God, tell God, I need, fix this, help this, whatever realm, you're really just scratching the surface of what God has for you and what your relationship with Him can be. When is the last time you prayed a prayer, and hopefully it was this morning, God, I pray you'll open my mind and my eyes and my spiritual awareness to discover something new about you today. Because it's infinite. And you could spend your whole life on this planet discovering new things about God and never exhaust who He is. And so avoid that meaningless repetition because He wants it to be something that's legit and genuine and personal. And He says before He starts the Lord's Prayer, uh, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Heavenly Father is attentive to you. He gets you. And I don't know what your Father was like growing up. Maybe you could barely get His attention or He was practicing about other things. But your Heavenly Father is attentive and He knows what you need before you ask. still wants you to ask, but He knows what you need. And so then it says, pray then in this way. And so I'd like for us to go ahead and read the Lord's Prayer. And I think we do better when we're standing. So if you're able to stand, would you stand together with me? And we're going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And I'll ask you to read it with me with a certain level of convincibility. All right? Let's go. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, you may be seated. That is one prayer that is worth memorizing and remembering because it becomes a great template for uh, how to pray. So I want to kind of double back and let's unpack that. And let's look at the things Jesus perhaps was trying to teach us and make us aware of. First of all, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. We're to be certain of the fact that as a follower of Christ, as we believe in God, we have a heavenly Father. And he's in heaven, he's otherworldly. But that word Father, I'm told, if you go into the original Greek, uh, is a term of endearment. I don't know about you, when I grew up, Father was kind of, for, I never, I don't know if I ever called my dad Father. I called him Dad. When I was younger, I probably called him Daddy. And I'm told that Abba there, that word father is more like dad or daddy than it is a formal father. But there's meant to be an intimacy and an affection in that relationship with God. But at the same time, it balances out. Sometimes we go so casual into who God is and Jesus is, there's still that sense of reverence for God. Holy is your name. And Jesus affirmed that because later in the gospel, he talks to a rich young ruler and that guy says, well, what do I do to inherit eternal life? As well, among other things, keep the commandments. And he lists several of them, including honor your father and mother. And so we're to honor our fathers. And depending on uh, your experience with father, that is easy or difficult. There's this concept called transference. And so what we experience in one realm or in one relationship or person, we can transfer those feelings to another. For instance, if I say beach, all right, some of you love the beach. So it makes you smile. You transfer all your past beach experiences to the idea of beach and you're, yes. But if you went, the only time you went to the beach, it was a hurricane. And then on your way out, you got bit by an alligator. If I say beach, you're going to recoil in fear or don't, I don't want to go near there, all right? Or you get all sunburned. So, so you transfer that. Well, when I say father, all of us have some earthly reaction to that. If you had a father like my dad did, my grandfather was a violent alcoholic. Uh, one time my dad told me a story. He had to literally wrestle a gun out of his dad's hand because his dad was about to kill my dad's grandfather. My grandfather blew up his family of nine children in the 1930s when the divorce rate was like 2%, when people didn't divorce. They were left to fend for themselves. And there was literally a father wound on my dad's heart that never healed by the time my grandfather committed suicide. And so if that's your experience or some version of a dad who didn't, then it's hard to make the leap from my earthly father to my father who's in heaven. It's more difficult. And, there's, and you have to be careful you don't transfer all the junk here to this dad because it's totally different. If you're like me and you're blessed with a dad who said, I'm not going to recreate that in my life. And, and so he loved God and loved his family and loved me. It's an easy leap to say our father who's in heaven. And I figure, okay, great earthly dad. And so my heavenly father must be just way better than that. But in fairness to our father who is in heaven, let's ask God for the grace to not attach difficult, undeserved baggage to him if you have it. And ask him, maybe starting today, help me to, to drop my bags when it comes to fatherhood and realize that you are so much more. You're otherworldly. 
And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He repeats this idea of kingdom over and over in this passage. Did I say that the Bible repeats things to get our attention so we remember it? Okay. So the, he repeats this thought of kingdom. And, and so he has a kingdom. Our father does. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're in it. To tell your neighbor, you're in it. Just tell. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is supposed to make a difference to us. I don't know about you. I'm thankful I'm a citizen of the United States of America. But boy, there are things that trouble me about this nation and about this world. And when I get overwhelmed with what's going on in this world, I console myself. But you know what? I'm a citizen of heaven and that's where I'm going eventually. And so I'm to be reminded of that. Get applauded. And then, get this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's meant to really boost your esteem. The creator of the universe, who, by the way, did an incredible job, yes, chose you to be his child and then said, okay, and by the way, since you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're now adopted into the family, I got something for you to do. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. I got plans for you. Man, you want, you want to see a kid get excited? Pick a, a child about that big and say, guess what? I got some plans for you. They're going to go, what is it? Everybody say it with excitement. What is it? That was good. That was good. You've got a heavenly father. Thy will be, he's got a will for your life. And one of the best things you can do is discover that day by day, step by step. And sometimes we make it so huge that we, we never find it, but it's actually even in the little things, just letting your light shine through your good deeds. And let me say, you never have to know oh, there's no purpose. No, no, God has a will and a plan for your life. You are never going to wake up and you get an email, you see that it's from God, and the subject line is, don't bother. All right? <laughs> because our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And one of the best things you can do is start asking. Just start praying. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I pray your will be done on earth in me today, through me today, as it is in heaven. Just to open your mind to that because I don't know about you, my feet can hit the floor. I'm not even thinking about what does he want to do to me today? I got a bunch of stuff I just got to get done. No, pray for just a fresh reset every day. Okay, Lord, what is it your will is for me? Just in big ways and small. When I stop for gas, when I go out to eat, when I shop, when I meet with my neighbors, what do you want to do in and through me in reflecting Christ to them? Give us this day our daily bread. He repeats it. I already told you that Bible repeats things for emphasis so you remember it, right? Now, I have never had to pray that part of the Lord's Prayer, give me this day my daily bread, and honestly mean it. I've been in Africa sitting on the dirt floor of a sick and mud hut where when they prayed, give us this day our daily bread, they meant it. Because in the corner of the hut, there was a little fire and a clay pot and maybe some rice left over from the previous meal and some flies enjoying it. And if, if he didn't give them their bread or rice that day, they didn't eat. I'm thankful I'm blessed in that. But praying that, give us this day our daily bread, is meant to 
remind us that God can be trusted every day for the essentials and beyond. Every day, trusted. And it repeats this idea. We're going we're to go to it. It repeats it in the same chapter, this whole idea that he'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you need. He'll give, you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. And wow, is that ever essential when you come to the whole father thing? Because to get a little psychological on us, how, don't raise your hand, but if I were to say, how many of you have a problem with trust? A lot of hands would go up. Now, maybe somebody broke your heart or betrayed your trust, whatever, along the way. But a lot of the struggle to trust, and I expect in culture it's going to get worse because of the dynamic I'm about to talk about. But one of my favorite developmental theorists, Eric, Eric uh, Erickson, uh, identifies that trust is the first sort of psychological concept that lands in us in the first three years of our life. So when I cry as an infant and I'm quickly attended to and changed and fed and comforted and whatever, if I realize my dependency needs are, are quickly met and attended to, it's easy for me to trust my caregivers and there's a sense of, ah. But if I'm living in a tumultuous environment or I'm living and people don't really care all that much about my tending to my needs, then those, in those early years I'm learning, can I trust or not? Is there a sense of, ah, or a sense of, and so wow, when you have a heavenly father, it's so essential to realize you can trust him every day. You can trust him with every bite of food going in your mouth. You can trust him day in and day out because he will care for you. Now, hold that same thought about how important it is that you identify your heavenly father, your heavenly dad, as someone who loves you, is attentive to you, knows about you, cares about you, gets you. And then let's jump later in the chapter. If you have your Bible or Bible device, it's not on the screen. You need to read this. Go to later in Matthew chapter 6. Find the chapter. Find the chapter. Come on. Matthew 6. Because if, if the Bible repeats things for emphasis, Jesus repeats a word or a concept five times in a handful of verses. And what he's talking about is epidemic in our current culture 2,000 years later. It is a huge challenge to people's emotional well-being. It's anxiety. Some of you battle it regularly. Some of you have anxiety attacks. They're debilitating. For our culture, it's getting harder and harder to not be anxious. And for younger people especially, anxiety is just running through the roof. And Jesus talks about not being anxious five times in this short passage. It's all tied to the idea of a loving Heavenly Father who cares about you and He can be trusted. You can trust Him with the little things. You can trust Him with the big things. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious, there it is, for your life, as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, there it is again, can add a single foot to his lifespan? Hold the thought there for a second. How many of you ever got anxious about something that was going to happen and it never happened? Can I see all of our hands? 
We waste so much emotional, mental energy on anxiety, things we cannot control, and we ruin our present by what we're anxious about in the future or anxious about reliving from our past. And Jesus said, you can't add a day to your life with all your anxiety. Verse 28. And why are you anxious? There is again about clothing. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more do for you, O men of little faith? Here's again. Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the unbelievers eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father, there it is, knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom. Say his kingdom. There it is again. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So get your priorities straight. Remind yourself he's got a kingdom. I'm in it. It's greater than the world I'm in. I can trust him for my daily needs and for my big needs. And then the final verse, therefore, do not be anxious. Tell your neighbor, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would you say amen to that? We can trust him. That's why it's so, he's trying to say it over and over again. You can trust him in the little things. You can trust him in the big things. Every day you can trust him. And if you do a Google search on emotional well-being, do a Google search on the benefits of having a loving father, a caring relationship with your dad, and you will find that people who say, yep, my dad was a good one, and he cared about me, he loved me, that that it enhances emotional well-being like few things. On the flip side, if dad wasn't that, man, anxiety is an ongoing battle for us. Give us this day our daily bread. And then forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He forgives. I don't know what your experience is with people in your life who forgive or a dad who forgives, but as your heavenly father, he will never say, well, when you look sorry enough, I'll forgive you. If you were sorry, you wouldn't do it. You ever heard that one? Well, when you're sorry enough, when you prove that you're, no, no. He forgives. How many of you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer before today? Let me see. Okay, most of us. Did you realize the way you were raising the bar on yourself, the standard you just put yourself in? Forgive me like I forgive them. Do you really want that? Because I freely receive it, I'm to freely give it. All of this, we receive it freely and God expects us like his children then to, to be like him and to freely give. And forgiveness is no exception. But he does forgive us. And they do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom. There is again the power and the glory forever. I was sharing the, in the deeper dive Wednesday night that I've been studying God's word for my profession for over 44 years. And what's so cool about the Bible is that last week with Wednesday night and even today. It's so neat that you study this word and it's something that comes alive to you and I've never seen before. Never seen it that way. And I've studied and preached about the Lord's Prayer tons of times. And a phrase jumped off the page at me and hit me a different way. It says, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help me with this evil. Uh, let me ask this. 
Well, let's, let's do something harmless first. So on the count of three, I want you to say one of the foods you know you shouldn't eat, but you eat it anyway because you like it. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. Chocolate, potato chips. I like both. Chocolate and potato chips together, sweet and salty. Oh, so we all say, okay, now on the count of three, I want you to say a sin. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but I want you to think about the sins that you're most often tempted to commit. I didn't say if. No. What sins are you most often tempted to commit? Because I don't think Satan's checked out. Oh, well, she'll never sin again. Don't even bother tempting her. No. So those sins, when we're tempted, I think we have a tendency to feel like, oh, I've got to fight this. i got to go, okay, okay. And, and hopefully I, I win. Okay, I'm good. If I fail, oh, God, I had this temptation. And I yielded, so please forgive me. Like he didn't know it. I don't know if you've been doing it. For me, I, I find that temptation like comes in waves or seasons. There's times it's been really good, and there's times all of a sudden, and I don't know. How many of you feel it's like that? It comes in waves. Okay, the rest of you, you're not tempted, or it's all the time. I don't know which, but either way, okay. Try this. Try when the temptation hits. I don't know if it's sexual temptation. I don't know if it's, it's temptation in addictions, whether it's gambling addictions, substance abuse addictions. I don't know if it's a temptation to lie, a temptation with your anger, a temptation with your words. You, you, you know, you can even sin in just refusing to believe the truth about yourself in a good way. But whatever those temptations are, when you are battling it, next time, invite God into that. God, I am being tempted to, and be explicit. I need you to help, help me, deliver me from this evil, please. Holy Spirit, rise up in me because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Ask him for that. And rather than feeling like, okay, the temptation is I'm incoming, I'm taking all these hits, and hopefully I survive and I, I'm good, but if not, I'll go to God for forgiveness. Instead, invite him into the struggle in the first place. He wants to be there. He loves you. Thy kingdom come, the power and the glory forever. And to, to pivot to show that this is about Jesus, if his father is like that, then you can rest in Hebrews chapter 13. The last part of verse 5. says, He himself has said, I will never desert you, Jesus said this, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Say it with confidence, the Lord is my helper. He's my helper. I will not be afraid. Say, I won't be afraid. And go ahead and just say it on a dare. I won't be anxious. What will man do to me? There, there is meant to be, if I realize, wow, I and the Father are one. All these things that were stated here is Jesus to me. I look at this and I realize Jesus loves you. Like your father loves you. Unlike the greatest dad among us could love his kids. Jesus loves you. Jesus gets you. You don't have to explain yourself. He's attentive to you. He knows where you are hurt. He knows your dreams, your hopes, your insecurities. He loves you. He cares about you. Jesus can be trusted. 
every day. Give us this day. In small things, in big things, Jesus can be trusted. I don't care who let you down. I don't care who you depended on, didn't come through. Jesus can be trusted and he will guide you. He will provide for you. He knows what you need even before you ask. Jesus forgives you first time, every time. Likewise, Jesus will be there for you and help you in all of your life. And, and we chose to land this Father's Day weekend talking about like father, like son, to remind us as followers of Christ, he's our Lord and Savior, and that in all of life, there's Jesus. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all the lonely roads that I have traveled on There is Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground Friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can't see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting In the blessing, buried in the broken pieces
beautiful song. I'd like to invite you to, to join me in prayer. And I kind of want to pattern it a little bit after our Wednesday night prayer times, if you don't mind. If you just bow your heads with me, I want to walk through the Lord's Prayer and invite you to sort of your own personal response to what Jesus taught us to pray. He started out by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you're a dad, thank God for your kids. And pray that God uses you to be a blessing to them and to your children's children. If there are difficulties or hurts there, ask Him to ask Him to heal those, to, to deal with those. Likewise, if you're here and your, your dad's on the planet, say a prayer of thanks for him and be sure to affirm him. If your dad's going to heaven, then thank God for who he blessed you with. And if you're here and there is a, a father wound on your heart because things weren't good with you and dad, tell your heavenly father and ask him to bring healing and comfort to you, to give you peace, to replace the anxiety with strength and confidence. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank him that you're a citizen of heaven. And ask him to help you with your anxieties about the condition of this world that when it gets overwhelming to you, that he'll remind you once again that yeah, but you know what? Someday heaven awaits. Your will be done. Resurrender your life to Him. Lord, set my priorities. Ask Him to show you the ones that need to change. Tell Him I want to do your will, big and small. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank Him for all the blessings He's given you in your life. And thank Him that He can be trusted. there are big needs in your life, go ahead and lay that before him without telling him how to fix it. Because he already knows what you need before you ask. And when it comes to give us to stay our daily bread, if trust is hard for you, just tell him that. Ask him to heal and help you with that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If there are sins in your life that you feel convicted about, go ahead and confess them, repent of it, and ask Him for forgiveness. Tell Him you're sorry. If you're not a Christian, this is the perfect time for you just to surrender your life to Christ. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior and confess your sin. Know that He forgives and forgets. If there's someone in your life you need to forgive, Tell God who it is that you resent, who it is you harbor unforgiveness toward, maybe even why. Ask Him to help you let it go.
and picture yourself no longer bound by the unforgiveness you hold toward them. You're free. Because God in so many words says, you leave them to me, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And if there are things in your life you feel guilty and shameful for still, even though you've asked for forgiveness, asking for the grace to forgive yourself. Ask him to please lift the shame from my soul. What a waste of the sacrifice of Christ to be forgiven but still carry the guilt. If there's someone you need to confess to or apologize to, then ask him for wisdom. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Briefly tell him the current sins you struggle against. You've already asked for forgiveness. Ask him for help. And Lord, we're so thankful that you, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us that. And so, Lord, we, we crawl out from under a load of shame and guilt and we're forgiven and free and we likewise forgive others. And this prayer closes reminding us yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Once again, God, we commit ourselves to your kingdom, to your will, to your desires. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give us your power, power for effective living, power to live a life that draws attention of other people to Jesus. And we look forward to the day when your kingdom comes and we are in heaven with you forever. So I pray a wave of healing and grace and restoration and joy and fulfillment on every heart, every life, every person here today. And we pray a special blessing on every dad who's here, God. Bless them, continue to use them in brand new ways for your glory in the lives of their family, their loved ones, our church, and our community. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for being here on Father's Day. If you prayed to accept Christ, right across the hall, is called the VIP room. Stop by there. We have some information to help you with that decision. Dads, pick up your grab bag because in addition to the goodies that are there, there's a reminder that you are the light of the world. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. Happy Father's Day. <laughs>